0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: Well, Brad, Evan's corrupted us both. I have. We've both caved and now spent the 30 minutes before this podcast, which we should have just started recording talking about golf yeah i forgot how much
2: i like golf i miss it i'm not good at it but i'm an abusive lover that's for sure nothing ruins a good walk quite like a game of golf
1: (laughs) to our listeners i'm sorry that we let evan win uh but those of you who are smart saw this coming five years ago um i've had to you know unbookmark craigslist and kijiji from my browser so i would stop keeping an eye out for uh, used clubs i've had to stop pricing out clubs because i am not nearly good enough for that um and so now all three of us are gonna have to keep golf talk to a minimum long story short brad went out in the middle of the sun middle of the day today how are you not burnt to a crisp uh because
2: i've been burnt so many times this summer i have just become one with the crispy
1: <laughs> and that and i put
2: on like uh, a mountain of sunscreen before i left the house today uh
1: i got my bag second hand off someone and i reached in one day and he had a uh, coin purse is that common on golf courses evan to have a little coin purse no no yeah he, he had a coin purse full of like you know coins coins good coins <laughs> valuable coins and uh, a big bottle of uh suntan lotion i haven't used that once yeah there's
0: a lot of questions that i have it, but i'm not sure i want
1: the answers to them found I mean, money and lotion this uh <laughs> i think the golf bag eager. was just an excuse it's a nice bag too why did you give it to me for 20 bucks
0: hey that's how much i bought my first one for it was great. I think it's great
1: Things awesome it has that I, I thought it was like novel it had that has that those little stands where you lean on it and it kicks the legs out yeah, it's
2: pretty universal.
1: <laughs> I, thought, I was like, oh, state of the art. What a my feature. Bag, my bag doesn't have that. Mine is flat on the ground while I am hitting. Oh, pff. I was going to say, like, and you look at Evans. Evans, like, rolls it out, rolls it out. Mine's like the back Makes mobile. him a drink. It yeah. just follows me. <laughs> a drink, Evan. Christ. It's also his caddy. He's like uh, 174 yards, and then it hooks, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, calculating
0: the air pressure and the wind resistance before I shoot, so I know how to shank it into the woods <laughs>
1: well anyways we are not going to talk about golf because uh the world of hockey has been it's just been weird the world's been weird what a <laughs> what a weird time you know so welcome to the winged wheel podcast uh the detroit red wings podcast that brings you all the weirdness in the world of <laughs> red wings and hockey and i i we're gonna get into the first topic here, and I don't I just don't even know. I've never been at a bigger loss for words. But until then, for now let's segue in. I'm Ryan Hanna.
2: I let Pavel out of the monastery. <laughs> and I'm Evan.
1: Um There's gonna be a few things we're gonna talk about today. Uh return to play, of course. Uh, we're gonna talk about some just, you know, Red Wings related stuff um we're going to do our prospect preview and and play in preview and and goings on around the league but i don't think we can do anything other than address the (laughs) the first thing here which is uh the news that news or story that broke about pavel Datsug over the past couple days which is and i want to pull up the exact headline here um uh, I don't even know how to
0: it was if it was any other year, it would be a lot more uh surprising, but it is certainly a weird headline,
2: yeah, I didn't even know how to react to that it okay, the level of apathy I had towards that headline <laughs> is is truly <laughs> damning as to how bad twenty
1: twenty has been It's just like
2: yeah, whatever, who cares
1: i'm gonna read the i'm gonna read the headline and brad is so right i read that and i just went oh my god the headline read and this was from uh rt and i don't really know how reliable the source is i've had a few different people telling me that's not generally a reliable source but this isn't the kind of thing that it would typically make up that's usually more political stuff regardless the the headline reads x nhl star datsuk. In quotations here, hold up at monastery defended by Cossacks with priest who claims COVID is a cover up to microchip the population. <clears throat> oh my. There's a
0: lot to unpack in just that headline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now's a good time to announce a seven part uh, spin off miniseries as we dive into that headline and that headline alone. Each volume containing four hours of just Brad screaming. <laughs> Um, Okay, (laughs) our
2: our new game. What is Pavel Datsik doing inside the monastery?
0: Uh, Things we can think of probably aren't even in the realm
2: of real. He is building a Trebucket to launch bricks at 5G towers. He's building a what? Trebucket, the... Launcher.
0: It's a trebuchet, right?
2: <laughs> right, right. Don't don't no. I'm what not. is a catapult? I'll go with catapult. No, very
1: different things. And there's a big contingent of people online who will come after you if you say a catapult and a trebuchet are the same thing. But no, it's. It, uh, I don't
2: give a shit what it is. We're talking what, about a uh, hockey player, air quotations, hold up at a monastery that we don't even know if it's true because that's not even getting into the things the priest is into.
1: But yeah. It, uh, well, it was formerly known as a trebuchet, but now henceforth will be known as a trebucket. Um, it sounds that's more a good <laughs> Okay. B- before we, before we give this too much, you know, credence, we have to pull up, uh, some counterpoints that were made. Uh, Dan Milstein, um, Datsu's agent put out a tweet to say Pavel Datsuka is currently at his cottage with his family with like a 1.4 second clip of uh, presumably Datsuk. You can't see his face, but it looks like him swinging an axe and chopping a piece of firewood. And then the clip just cuts. And my first thought was, all right, I didn't exactly trust the initial headline that he was at this monastery. Just inherently, like I was a little skeptical of that. Uh, But I think he would have been better off just tweeting that out without the weird video that proves like essentially nothing. Did did he,
2: I don't even think in tweet, he even said specifically that he's not there. I don't think that was mentioned.
1: Is his cottage in the monastery? Like, (laughs) like, I don't
2: know. It was, and then like, apparently the back of Datsuk's shirt had some like positive message. Like we can all do this together, but, or something like that. I don't know if that's the actual translation. I don't speak Russian, but someone said it and it's like, okay, I get what you're doing literally just released a statement that says no i would have understood that more
1: your description brad earlier was was dead on it's just apathy like my first reaction was whether this is true or not i'm just so tired (laughs) like i'm just so tired that i know i should have a larger more substantial reaction to this and all i thought was oh you know Who can be suppressed?
0: I was just read it. I was like, that's weird. Kind of just moved on after that.
1: What can you do? Are you really going to say in 2020, this is the most shocking thing to happen? This wasn't the most shocking thing to happen yesterday, honestly. (laughs) Look, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait a little bit longer to see what's happening here. Um, But frankly, I don't care. I just like it's I can't bring myself to care. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, if if some if news comes out more one way or the other. And that might be crappy of me to say. And you know I, I'm I might be just trying to avoid the truth here, but that suit doesn't play for this team anymore. And there's too much else going on in the world right now. I can't possibly care about this. If I but not right
2: now, you know? I wouldn't care about it if it wasn't so hilarious. Honestly. we've we've craved and begged for content and the the hockey gods just go do with this chaos what you will
1: like he he's joined a cult allegedly it's always so weird getting any information from Datsu because he's generally he doesn't speak english very well he's generally pretty reserved most answers that are the most candid or substantial things that are uh do come from him are like you know you have to essentially pry it out of him and then Anything that he does speak candidly to was in Russian initially. And you don't know the the quality of the source that's reporting on that or the translation. And it's like, I don't feel like I know anything about Datsuk, the person. And, at all.
2: And, and that's like. He is such a weird breed. I will never forget that after the 2008 Stanley Cup. And you know how CBC does that. uh montage of all the players saying where they're from and who their favorite player was growing up. It said, hi, I'm, pa- it's like, hi, I'm Pavel Datsuk. I'm from name. I can't pronounce in Russia and I don't have a favorite player. <laughs> like, who doesn't have a favorite player? Chris Chelio's big dick butt kiss for takes. I,
1: I just Come play up, hockey.
2: Yarm- who is it? Yarmer Yager picked himself, I think, the
1: one year. I think that was a serious answer too.
2: Like, oh my God, Pav. And then anytime they asked him about anything non-hockey related, he just always gave non-answers. He could be a mole person for all we know. He doesn't give us anything. And if he was holed up at a Russian monastery in a place where they're not letting people in or out, yada, 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 because that's what hold up means. How would anybody know he's there? Nobody says anything. <laughs>
0: And who really cares, to be honest? Like, he is allowed to do whatever he wants on his own free time, just like everybody else who goes to work.
2: As long as it's not
0: interfering with your work, and you're not being a total menace to society, uh,
1: I don't care. Yeah, but a, a conspiracy theory, you know, a COVID conspiracy theory, religious zealot who has control like, control over a large swath of the population who could end up causing harm, that's a lot more substantial. Well,
0: he's not the guy
1: who played for the Red Wings. <laughs>
0: no. Well, at least I don't think he did. I mean, you never know. You never know point. who's under that beard.
1: On that yeah, guy. Datsuk pulls off a mask. It's just this old Rasputin dude. So pretty much the headline is Datsuk purportedly hold up with uh, 5G covid rambling rasputin and i haven't seen anything to corroborate it and uh like brad said we only have a select amount of energy to put into the bullshit headlines of 2020 any given day so we're gonna wait to see how this one plays out or doesn't i don't know maybe i don't know, maybe he's at his cottage we all saw that 1.4 second clip of him swinging an axe which proved a lot of things you know it proved that he conclusively
0: he's not at the monastery
1: his cottage where also because i know the guy loves michigan like he loved hunting and fishing in michigan so are they here right now no he couldn't be here the borders are closed the whole
0: optics of having that video is very peculiar like why would his agent have that video sent to him from someone around pavel Datsuk? so or is he with pavel Datsuk? so who knows
2: With how private and Pavel and like how Pavel operates and how weird Pavel is, it wouldn't surprise me to find out Pavel just doesn't know how to use his cell phone. So I like to picture in my head, Milstein on the phone with like his wife or daughter or something like in broken English is like, just take the video. Just take it. What's he doing? He's chopping wood. I don't care. Take the video. That is what it looks like,
1: right? It's like a live photo. That's why it's so short. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i know like i know there's a part of us that's supposed to be taking this more seriously but i just like we're not primed for that right now you know what (laughs) it's been a long part of that headline can you take seriously (laughs) 2020 has been a long long decade and uh, we have to pick our hills to die on and some of them are great and some of them you know we have to to (laughs) walk away from and for now for this battle we're gonna walk away from it uh so let's walk let's discuss a different travesty happening a little bit closer to home uh an update on our uh one of our favorite floundering franchises that we talked about a little while back which is the buffalo sabers whoa uh not too long ago jason botterill was confirmed to be returning as gm uh have still having the confidence of the pagulas who own the sabers and your uh, buffalo bills brad uh in the last three days they have fired everyone
2: yeah that uh drive i hit on 10 wasn't the only nuke to go off this week
1: yeah for real uh has gone uh i think 23 people in total like most of the scouting department is gone before
2: the draft
1: before the draft like a few
2: months before the draft which is insane. So. I know you hate when I do it, but I I have to talk because it's relevant about this because the Pagoulas have been taking a lot of heat for this and deservedly so, but I can't fathom how dysfunctional the Sabres are because if you go into the football world, the Bills are the model organization right now. Great coach, great team, great GM, everything top down is running tip top, just like the air quotations, perfect organization right now. And literally the same owners, you jump over sports and they are, if nobody is more thankful for Eugene Melnick than Terry Pagula, because they would be the most dysfunctional organization in the NHL. It is staggering. You fire your GM three weeks after Kim Pagula was on record, backing him up saying he's our GM of the future. So something happened in those three weeks. They appointed Kevin Adams right away, no GM search, never been a GM before, but has worked with the Bagulus for 10 years. So clearly they had a level of comfort with him, which is probably their thing. You're in the middle of the weirdest draft season ever, and you let most of your scouts go. And like, it's not like Buffalo's drafted poorly. They've done, for the most part, I'd say, all right. They haven't been any better or worse than any other team off the top of my head. They got, even if you go outside of the first round, Uko Pekalukadin and Victor Olofsson seem like uh, amazing picks, like way better than you're ever going to do outside of the first round in any given draft, especially when you consider Olofsson was a seventh rounder. Um, There were rumors going around that it was because the Pagulas wanted to spend less and Botteroll wasn't having any of that. But I just, something had to have happened
1: to do this now it's uh, involved owners are never like almost universally a bad thing in sports almost yeah. universally like unless they grew up and are just one of those random combinations of like mega billionaire which you have to be to own a, a major sports franchise right now and uh, like embedded in the game it just doesn't go well i'm sorry the, Pug- the pugula seem like nice people i don't know much about them that they're not they did not, they're not, they don't know hockey. Like it's so evident that they don't know hockey. And that's okay. You don't have to know hockey to be an owner. But that's when you appoint a GM or president of hockey operations to oversee the GM and you take their word for it. And you manage them as people and manage them from a business aspect to say, hey, here's what I need from the business. Talk to me, translate hockey into something I can understand. And then you go from there. I don't really get the owners taking such an involved role in hiring a gm you know if you sat either one of the Pagulas in a room with nobody to help them out and ask them questions about the sport of hockey how much would they be able to answer from a gm's level not even from a fan's level from a gm's level it is hard to be a front office professional in the nhl it is so hard to be a gm of an nhl team and i'm not saying jason botter should have stayed i think they should have fired him but does this seem like they are cleaning out house to do this properly or does this seem like what you said brad where it's some silly reason where they just didn't want to spend the money and the fact that they didn't even do a proper gm search and just appointed someone from within it kind of reeks of kevin adams saying like hey kevin are you gonna do what we say and spend to an internal cap and he goes yep please give me my first ever gm job and bam, Kevin Adams is now GM of the Buffalo Sabres. I think there is a, a lot of that involved in this, but this
2: is one of those things that I think because of how big it was that a lot of the reasons are going to get overthought because when when in reality, the Buffalo Sabres is a business, the Pagulas own them to make money. No other reason. Yeah, it's a fun way to make money, but they need to make money. How do you make money in the NHL? You win. The Buffalo Sabres don't win. They need to start winning to make money. The last time the Buffalo Sabres made the playoffs, Nick Lidstrom and the Atlanta Thrashers were in the NHL. Whoa. So nobody can blame the Pagoulas for saying this is crap. Now... They've went through, I think, three GMs and like six head coaches in the time that they've owned the Buffalo Sabres, which isn't that long. And let's not forget, when they came in, though, they were willing to spend. They threw all the money in the world at Villy Leno and Christian Erhoff. They signed <laughs> off on those contracts, no problem. And that's not their fault that their GM signed those bad contracts. GM goes, hey, good players, big money. They go, okay, we'll sign the check. Because, um, again, like you said, they don't know anything about hockey. They had to take the GM's word for it. So... I think what it comes down to is they're probably losing money on this organization because they're losing and they've How been losing lose money in Buffalo. They're nuts for hockey there because well, they don't sell out cause they lose. They suck. It's like the Red Wings. Now we, the building was packed for the home opener. Didn't stay packed for long when people saw what the product was. The same thing happens in Buffalo. And again, because I follow a ton of Bill's stuff right now and According to just about every beat writer, reporter, whoever covers the bills that I follow, the Pagoulas are hands-off with football decisions. Brandon Bean has basic autonomy to do whatever the hell he wants, but why can he do that? The bills are winning. The bills are set up to be one of the best teams in the NFL for the next five years. Of course, they're going to be hands-off because guess what? The bills are good. They sell out every game. They're making a ton of money on that side of the business. So... I'm not going to sit here and say that the Pagoulas have been flawless owners. They haven't. They traded their employees like garbage when the COVID stuff happened. They've fought. They don't give their jams enough time to do a good job. They've had a coaching turnstile. They can't hire hockey people to save their lives, which is probably why Kevin Adams got it. Cause they know who he is and at least have some trust in him. It all comes down to money. And in hockey, money comes down to winning and the savers don't do it. And they had enough.
1: Well, um, it really is nice for us because we can kind of sit back and think as bad as Red Wings fans have had it over the past five years, it's, and as prolonged as the Red Wings rebuild has been, it's really like not even close to the bottom tier of how bad stuff can get because they have um, a GM with an excellent track record now managing this rebuild and, and Steve Eisenman. Um, there haven't been terrible anchor contracts signed in a long time um, granted those are still on the books but you can't do anything about that once they're signed they're signed and slowly but surely the rebuild is happening meanwhile you have other teams where they're either had the best players in the league like ottawa and their ownership just you know pissed them away or you have the sabers who somehow has one of the best players, the one of the best centermen of his probably by the time it's all said and done of his generation and Jack Eichel and can't build a team around him. And they have the, not the leadership to guide them through this. Ottawa might actually end up there haphazardly. It's like that gift of the elephant, you know, pooping itself and falling into the pool accidentally. Um, if they get, you know, Lafreniere and, uh, Lafreniere and Stutzler or something in this draft – But Buffalo and Ottawa just really scream, it can get so much worse. That's a nice little juxtaposition.
0: Buffalo is, in my mind, is really on the clock with Jack Eichel. Oh, yeah. He's very vocal publicly about his frustration with the team, whether that be the other players or uh, head coaches, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, he could just say, I'm not playing for this team anymore. There's, yeah. You can tell his compete means more than the place he's at uh, or the team he plays for. Two years, we could see Jack Eichel just throwing in the towel and saying, you got to trade me. I need to win somewhere else because it's not happening here, which is, just sh- which is a shame because I think Buffalo is starting to find those building blocks. But if those building blocks don't turn into what we think they will be, they'll be teams lining up for his contract.
2: I'm I'm happy you brought up the Eichel thing on a clock, because uh, first, before I get into my point, to all of you that have been tweeting at me, could the Red Wings trade for Eichel next year if he gets fed up? Sure, in theory, yeah, but he hasn't even asked for a trade yet, so I'm not even getting into that. And no, I don't know what it would cost to get Eichel, and the answer is probably way more than you're comfortable giving up. But... <laughs> There's, It is funny because arguably right now there's no three organizations in the NHL in worse shape than Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo. You could make a case for San Jose. But it's funny how all three are so different right now. The Red Wings are the worst team. Ottawa is the worst ownership. Um, And Buffalo is the most mismanaged. But here's the thing. Ottawa... Has a plan. It's not a good plan, but they have a plan. Sell everything, get infinity picks, and then if we throw enough darts, it's gonna get good. And to a lot and in a lot of ways, it looks like it's working. In like, eight days, it's gonna pay off the <laughs> big <time>. yeah. <laughs> like they went full nuclear, which has its downsides, but like they have seven picks in the first two rounds of this very deep draft. Their scouting department would have to fail royally for them to not come out of this like shining. Um, the Red Wings are the worst team in the NHL and have a very defined plan. The Buffalo Sabres have no plan. Are they rebuilding? Are they not? Are they contenders? Are they treading water? Because Kim Pagula said they're not rebuilding. And part of me looks at the rosters and go, are, that roster and goes, are you kidding me? But at the same time, I look at that roster, see Jack Eichel and go, well, yeah, you can't waste Jack Eichel. So can you really rebuild right now? Because by the time you do a full and proper rebuild. Yeah. Eichel's contract's almost up and he ain't going to stick around for a rebuild. So they don't have a plan. They are throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks right now, which is the worst thing you can do because as bad as San Jose was this year, they had a plan. Their plan was working up until this year. They were perennial contenders and now it's imploding in their face because their team got old. It happens. They can adjust course. And I'm sure Doug Wilson will have a new plan within the next year. But yeah, and and I almost can't blame anybody for the Sabres lack of a plan, except for the Pagoulas, because when you have that many coaches and that many GMs, how can anyone establish a thing? The Red Wings could be the worst team in the league, historically bad again for the next two seasons. And I don't think any Red Wings fan would really complain about Eisman because we know we have the plan. We're terrible. We need to get younger, better, get picks, develop prospects. Okay, we're on board. We get it, and nobody's going to blame. But if Buffalo tanks the next two years, they won't have the same reaction.
1: It's sad because we're almost at a point in the NHL where it's more preferable for teams to be owned by giant conglomerates or, like, multinational corporations like Comcast or, you know, MLSC, which is just a massive, massive group, or things like that where, like, Comcast isn't going to say – like, the CEO of Comcast isn't going to be like – oh, yeah, I want to get in the nitty-gritty of the Flyers and and do this and that. They're going to appoint people. They're going to hire people, hockey ops people, like a president of hockey operations or something of the sort within the Flyers organization that is the bridge between the the company and the team. But they're not going to dive into it. like it's You're not – gone are the days where these owners are like – I call them small owners. These people – (laughs)
0: <laughs> they own almost a billion dollar franchise
1: yeah these people made made more money since we started talking on this podcast and we're gonna make in our entire lives combined well maybe not evan evan is secretly a billionaire but me and you brad um but it's like i i just don't understand like like brad said if you're gonna hire and fire that many coaches and gms at some point you take responsibility for your staff's transgressions if i'm at work and one of my staff member messes up repeatedly and I hired and fired or I hired them, and I brought them on. I'm taking the heat for that. You of course dish it to them and say, "Hey, you shouldn't have done that, or you did this and that wrong." but when you report to your boss or you report to you know your stakeholders or you report to your <laughs> earnings or you report to the fans if you're the Pagulas, you have to say, yeah that's that's my fault i I hired the wrong person, and it's like they said, oh, it just didn't align with our vision. Shouldn't that be an interview question? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the
0: first thing they ask you? What are you bringing to this job? What are your goals? What are you, Where do you see yourself in five years? And uh, It's vision.
2: And, and it's funny too, because again, things can be overly simplified. I forget what coach it was, but I remember Friedman telling a story about a team was interviewing. Uh, actually, I think it was Quenville in Florida. They were interviewing him. And Quenville's first question is, what's the goalie situation? Because if you don't have it, you're walking into a dead end. Yeah. Again, I mentioned it a couple episodes ago with Buffalo. Uh, what's their goalie situation? Yeah, because if they think Carter Hutton's the answer, it ain't it. And Uka Pekalukinen's still probably a couple years away.
0: So. Apparently, uh, Carter Hutton uh, had eye surgery or something to fix some eye issues, so he'll actually be able to see this year. So that's good.
2: That's good. Now it's it's like, it'll uh, kind of uh, need James that as a goalie. That's like Jameis Winston.
1: James Woods got LASIK. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! Hey, thirty int is thirty TDs. Hey, I wasn't playing with my glasses on. What do you expect? (laughs) I knew I shouldn't eat that popcorn.
2: Just throwing it
0: up. Yeah, yeah. I kind of you know you think about having a like a single point of ownership, such as a. a, a, It's kind of a double edged sword because, on the one one. side you've got someone who's clearly passionate about the sport and passionate about the team and they have that fan perspective and they're willing to push the team push the purse strings to to make a competitive team but the other hand you have all of that and they think from a fan perspective not a hockey ops perspective uh-huh. and they act as another cook in the kitchen when they really have no qualification to do it other than they're rich
1: Yeah.
2: You said Carter Hutton had a uh, LASIK surgery. Did that also fix his six foot one problem?
0: Uh, oh. I, uh you yeah, know what,
2: that's tiny for an NHL goalie these depend, days. Depends.
0: Depends what month. Sometimes they've got the two for one deals or buy one <laughs> get one fifty <150. laughs>
1: shin extensions. Oh man, uh, we'll move on here and uh, talk a little bit. I don't know. I keep we keep kicking the can on on discussing uh, different like evergreen red wings topics that we have all season to talk about so maybe we'll move on from that now and and let's get into uh let's get into play in series preview um our series for today the best of five not the playoffs but actually playoffs but really not playoff series is uh minnesota versus vancouver which is Honestly, primed to be either absolutely boring as hell or a complete feast, like amazing series that nobody was expecting. Um, I'm going to go with likely boring because Vancouver's strength
2: is their goaltending. Markstrom had damn near an MVP season this year, and I don't know how many people noticed that. Demko is a capable backup if Markstrom doesn't come back from his injury tip top. Minnesota's not a highly offensive team, so a not highly offensive team going into a hot goalie. Uh, yeah, my hope is that uh, Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser just go off. And Zach Parisi and Eric Stahl and company and Kevin Fiala, who's actually super fun to watch, uh, keep up. That is what I'm hoping for. That is not what I'm betting on.
1: Yeah, the more I look at this and you look at the the game-breaking potential of Vancouver's superstars um, and the fact that their goalie can steal a game on any given night, I would be, as a fan, happy if Minnesota walked out of this with one game. I have Vancouver taking this 3-1. Um, it will be fun to watch uh, Elias Pettersson in some kind of playoff scenario. Um, always is wa- fun watching the best players in the game, playing the best hockey possible uh same with Quinn Hughes you know Brock Besser Markstrom again who's very underrated in terms of league MVP won't get the kind of recognition that he deserves um but at the same time doesn't matter if he can win this series for the Canucks that's all he'll care about Minnesota was pretty how far down the totem pole were they in terms of these like outside teams being brought in
2: not that far I think they were
0: they like- were hot and- when the the whole thing stopped yeah
2: <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Minnesota surprise. has come back from a three-one deficit in a series against Vancouver before, so you never know. Um, but I, everybody knows my thoughts on how to win in the NHL right now. You get a good goalie, and you get and you ride your superstars. It's a superstar-driven league. Uh, Devin Dubnik might be the most overrated goalie in the NHL in my mind. Jak Markstrom probably the most underrated.
0: <laughs> and the Canucks I think have Staylock is their starter right now because Dubnik was so bad.
2: That's probably the right choice. And uh, Stalock also isn't that good. Um, So you got the goaltending matchup in my mind heavily in favor of Vancouver because I'd probably take Demko over either of Minnesota's goalies and he's the backup. And I think there's only one true and legitimate superstar in this series and that's Elias petterson not that uh brock besser or quinn hughes are far off um i give minnesota a heavy uh not a heavy but i give them an advantage a sizable advantage on defense and vancouver's top six is unreal their bottom six is a travesty but i still give vancouver the edge on offense um I don't want to say three, one Vancouver because they're Vancouver and they'll Vancouver this up, but I am going to take the Canucks in two Vancouver.
1: Evan, how about you?
0: Yeah. If all things are considered equal, which they might be coming out of the break, I still think I still like Vancouver because they're a younger team and it's a little bit easier for those younger bodies to, uh, to get back in the swing of things. Um, it's probably still snowing in Minnesota, so uh, <laughs> it might be tough for some of those older bodies to, to get up to game speed. So, I, uh, with all those things said, uh, I, I think Vancouver's got it. I'll give Minnesota a game. It's best of five, right, for this yep. one? Yep. Yeah, I give Minnesota a game just because this is a coin flip league, so we'll say 3-1 Vancouver.
1: Um, Did you guys see what Kevin Bieksa said on uh, Tim and Sid? I'm Uh, sure
0: it was highly intellectual.
1: uh, Definitely did not see that. I said, uh, honestly, half the guys that I've talked to don't even want to play. They think that the season should just be called and start fresh in the fall.
2: Do you blame any of them? No. No. And uh, so there's an interesting thing going on. I think I saw an article on it. I forget who it was written by. But basically, one thing that a lot of NHL players do is they... Time their pregnancies because they don't want to have a child in the middle of a playoff run in the middle of a season. So they aim for the off season. Well, the off season this year is when they're going to be gone, quarantined away from their family or with their family in a quarantined area um, in the middle of a time where nobody ever wants to go to the hospital because covid's everywhere. So a lot of players are pushing back against playing because, yeah, I don't want to miss the birth of my child because I'm holed up at some casino in Las Vegas while my wife is, you know, however many miles away trying to give birth in one of the worst pandemics we've ever seen. So I I legitimately think we're going to see a lot of players bowing out of this because no, they're not forced to play and they don't get paid for playoffs which is what i think a lot of people need to remember here they're not going to be getting paid for this they
1: got check right not for playoffs not in a what normal about, year their
0: performance bonuses there are there
1: performance are. bonuses in a lot of contracts yes i could have sworn they made like a certain amount of thousand
2: per game uh they might make something but it's nothing close to what they make during the season
1: but um, No, yeah, it's not like it's prorated to, like, McDavid yeah, contract. Yeah, because, like, no. y- it's not
2: like uh, Pasternak and Larkin make a close to the same amount of money. It's not like Pasternak's going to get more because his team went to the playoffs and Larkin's didn't, right? So um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more players bow out of these playoffs than I think we realize. Because, again, uh, hockey is my life. I love hockey more than anything but my family. But if I was an NHL player and Hank was going to be born in this, zero chance I'm going. None. Absolutely none. I wouldn't even consider it.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, if I'm an NHL player living in the the life of luxury right now, it would be very, very difficult to get me out of my uh, Muskoka chair on the deck or off the golf course to go back in a rink and get back in shape, like game shape, sure they're all just keeping in some form of shape but to be at that peak physical level where they're game ready and then have to do it all over again in a couple of months they, it would be tough for me to do
1: it who's dallas playing uh nobody they are they're out they're a bye team oh they're a bye. yes um like they're not in this play-in round they roman Pollock already said he's not coming back right yeah, he's already
2: signed a three-year contract in the Czech League.
1: I mean, that's different because he's near the end of his career, but it's not going to be uncommon or unheard of to see that kind of thing. Um, and uh, who is it?
2: Um, oh, I, I don't know if he's playing or not, but uh, Nick Fellino, I think, uh, has has a very young child who's very immunocompromised. So he's going to be in a really tough position because he's the captain of the Blue Jackets. He's one of their top players, but he's also one of the biggest risks um, if he catches COVID. So, yeah, I don't... Man, this is like... It's easy to make fun of, oh, it's a hard decision for a guy making $4 million a year. No, he's not getting any extra money and these guys value their family more than anything else yeah this is going to be a very hard decision for a lot of these guys because I'm sure every one of them is chomping at the bit to get back on the ice but the uh, but hockey's not important and
0: And they're ultra competitive people that the general population just doesn't understand that how that thinking is or how that drives them it is a tough decision and uh, I'm I can't blame anyone for any of the decisions that they make.
1: Someone uh someone made a great point online. I can't remember if it was Reddit or Twitter, but they're like you you're getting these teams, you're going to have 8 teams who have months or weeks if not months of preparation and intense protocol only to play 2 to 3 meaningful games.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're the Montreal Canadiens right now about to run into the buzzsaw that is the Pittsburgh Penguins, are you going to care that much? No, probably not because, again, all the protocols, everything in place, they might travel to Toronto or Vancouver or whatever the hell their hub is and they might get blown out 5-1 in three straight games.
1: Oh, it's going to be weird. It's all going to be weird. I'm sure we'll
0: appreciate having hockey back. There's a lot of sacrifice going on at all levels for those
1: teams that are involved. Oh, yeah, dude, um, F1 is racing without fans in the stands, which is obviously much easier. They're in cars and all you have you like the pit crews are obviously in close quarters, but that's it's different than hockey as a sport. Um, they're coming back in three weeks and I'm over the moon excited. I know like we're going to speculate and talk about, you know, the ins and outs and is this should this happen or not. But if hockey does actually come back and they're on the ice, I'm going to be glued to the screen. I'm going to watch Minnesota-Vancouver like it was the Boston-Vancouver finals from however many years ago.
2: Oh, yeah. We're having detailed game breakdowns of every <laughs>
1: game.
0: <laughs> the uh, um the Charles Schwab Invitational, the golf tournament this weekend was pretty good, too, and it didn't have fans. Um, yeah. The players kind of commented that uh, without fans, it's hard for guys to really get rolling and uh, get in a groove and, and really charge the leaderboard because they're used to like having the roar of the crowd get them going. Um, but it still didn't deter from how good that tournament was. And you could hear the players talking to their caddies. It was really interesting.
2: Imagine being that mentally strong where you need a 1,000 people watching you golf. I was golfing with three other people, and every time I stepped up to the tee, I kind of wanted to ask them to turn around.
0: Oh, uh, f- <laughs> feeling like Bambi up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i put pl- i play with a lot of people i don't know um so the first t is always like this weird awkward energy until you hit that and then if you it, if it's a good shot you are like all right here we go but if it's bad you're like oh no here we go <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right um Let's move on to our NHL draft prospect profile here. And today's prospect that we're going to be talking about is Carter Savoy. I hate how he pronounces his name. I thought it was Savoy, but it's Carter Savoy. Brad, take us away.
2: Yeah, so uh the least interesting of the Savoys because his brother is a potential first overall pick in twenty twenty two. The Shane Wright class uh but Savoy much like Brendan Brisson that we were talking about last episode is a really interesting case because of the uh, his dimensions again small forward wait for it (laughs) not an above average skater extremely gifted offensively uh playing in a lesser league so, I guess uh, the randomizer that I used was just spitting out themes at a time. But, uh, yeah, so Savoy plays in the AJHL. Now, that's probably a step down from the BCHL Junior League in Canada because he wants to go play NCAA in the States. I think he's committed to Denver, but don't quote me on that. Um put up comic book numbers in the ajhl although some people think it should have been higher given the quality of that league and how skilled uh he is but um it's it's gonna be weird because he doesn't have much of a physical game unreal shot great hockey sense unreal puck skills very inconsistent a bit of we'll call it noel Gunler syndrome but uh yeah it's Again, it's hard to judge him based on where he's playing. Not that the AJ is a bad league, but it is not the OHL. It's not the WHL. uh, Probably even a step down from the USHL, honestly.
1: But Carter Guylander was uh, drafted from the AJHL. That's the Red Wings goaltender that they drafted.
2: uh, And the same team. They both play for Sherwood Park. So if you watched any Guylander this year, for whatever reason, you saw... Uh, Carter Savoy. So, and again, it's not that bad players can't come out of this league. Kale McCarr was drafted out of the AJ. So it's absolutely risk reward there, but who is he as a player? Offensively, he is gross. Uh, I think he had, I don't good quote gross. Me. I think he, yeah, good gross. I think he broke 50 goals in this league. Uh, just, he sees the ice really well. Has a tendency to try to do a bit too much himself. But given the league he plays in, I find that understandable because it's not like he's playing with line mates that are his skill level. So, yeah, it makes sense he trusts his own skills more than his teammates. But when he does make the passes, he finds the seams. He makes them. It's a strength. Again, his puck handling. Unreal. His shot. Fantastic. Offensively, he can do it all. It's just can he do that against tougher competition and given his size given his skating much like the rest of this draft it seems i don't know um i i have him probably somewhere in the mid-second round right now understanding that if we're basing this entirely off his talent level alone you could absolutely make a case for a late
1: first so the thing that stands out to me you know if you want a red wings perspective on this is i don't see a world where the red wings target this guy um, purely for the fact that he has a perceived issue with effort um, a little bit of floating a little bit of cherry picking not being so keen to get back to his end of the ice Um, you couple that with him being not a phenomenal skater and you have a guy that really doesn't fit steve Eisman's pedigree of what he wants which is you know, of course, talent and skill, and you want the best player possible, but you want a guy who's going to go out there and give it 100 every single shift at minimum. Um, and if that's an issue with him, then if he was, you know, had a lot of other dimensions to his game, uh, then yeah, absolutely. Like if he was a better skater, then I could see them taking a risk. Or if he was a centerman, I could see them taking a risk, but, um, as supremely talented as he is and i think he's like if you go on his actual just like raw unrefined skills yeah this guy should be like a, i think a mid to late first round pick um he would be worth that that swing of the bat but because he does disappear at times like there's been noted inconsistencies in his game and not the strongest league in the world that gives me enough pause to think i myself don't know if i want to take that risk on a left winger and I'm, I, I'm almost positive Eiserman is not going to want to with his first couple picks there. If he floats to the end of the second or round or into the third, then yeah, absolutely. You, you don't want to pass on a guy with that kind of skill. But I also don't think he'll go that far. He's funny because he fits that archetype of what we talked about, which is, like Brad said, great skater. Or sorry, great player offensively. Small, not that great of a skater. Um and yeah there's a couple other things to his game the thing is like compared to the other guys in previous episodes that we've talked about i think he has one of the highest talent levels but then once you get the the effort issue in there's is, and is it actually effort <laughs> We've seen that come and go with prospects. They're, they're seen as lazy players, but in reality, it's just that they skate funny and people think that they're being lazy. Like people always think Mantha is being lazy and sometimes Mantha does float, but sometimes you're just like, no, he just has a long stride and he's a huge guy. I don't know. He's not like, he's a, he's a good prospect to watch. Um, I've enjoyed watching when he does have the puck and when he does do something with it. Um, I'm trying not, like, I don't think he's very high on the Red Wings board. No, I don't like, know if that's crazy to say. Like, like you said, he doesn't check a lot of the boxes
2: that the Red Wings are looking for, but if he's there, late second, early third, this is the type of player that you take risks on in those lots
1: yeah, if, if he's there in those spots, then I'm actively cheering for them to take him, for sure.
2: Yeah, because he's not the type of guy that if he pans out, you're like, oh, great, we got a Solid fourth liner here who can kill some penalties for us. We didn't just draft K- Christopher. Friend. If you hit on Carter Savoy, you got a top six forward who might run the half wall on your power play.
1: Yeah. Um... Prediction as to where he'll go. I don't think high end players like that generally float past the second round. I see him going no later than late second round. Um, I've seen some rankings having him in the first. I don't think that's crazy. I think it'd be a bit more likely if he was a centerman, but I'm also not going to say that it would be, um, out of this world, unlikely or even wrong for a team to do that. Like Brad said, if you hit on that kind of talent, that's a pretty big hit. You're looking at a top six player. Um, Yeah, I'd say second round is a pretty safe estimate for Carter Savoy.
2: Yeah, his talent level is definitely worth the second round. And again, a lot of teams align with my philosophy of you swing for talent and you pray. And yeah, especially teams that don't have a first round pick. This is the exact type of guy you want to take that risk on because I mean if you're if all you get out of a draft is a fourth liner, is that really a good draft? So yeah, no, you gotta roll the dice, gamble and hope he pans out.
1: All right. Uh, anything that we have before we jump into overtime here. all right midweek episode over time on this episode is brought to you exclusively by our patreon supporters as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show um even when hockey's not on we're coming to you twice a week and that's not possible without them so thank your local dub dub patron uh, we're going to start with TJ Swanson. He says, so every draft, it seems like a couple of picks inside the top 10 to 15 range turn out to be complete busts. Obviously if everyone knew that no one would take them. My question is if you had to guess which prospects in that top 10 to 15 range have, uh, if you had to guess which of the prospects in that range from this year's draft have the highest bust potential.
2: Uh, oh man, that's tough. Cause I like all of them so much. Um, so ignoring Askarov because picking a goalie is basically cheating in the top 10. Uh, the way Cole Perfetti plays, I could see that not translating to the next level. Again, wouldn't bet on it, but I, I could absolutely see that. Um,
1: I, I have a weird thing about Holtz. I wouldn't bank on it. I don't even think it's particularly likely. Um. But I think he might not turn into as, you know, gifted of a score in the NHL. Like if if he was to bust, that's how it would happen. He wouldn't turn into as gifted of a score in the NHL as he was um, coming up in Sweden. Haskarov is the cheap pick, but it's kind of there, right? Like. Mm it's a goaltender it's voodoo you have a risk of this guy like drafting this guy and then he doesn't do anything anything until he's on his fourth team and he's 31 years old and finally he's going to be halfway decent again not something i would bank on and that's the thing tj you hit it like you hit the nail on the head there you can never predict this like we're analyzing all these guys and there's a reason they're ranked as high as they are um and then i, I think there is a chance here that uh, any centerman who's being pulled up the rankings just by virtue of being a center so you're looking at you know um connor zary maybe or maverick bork or depending on how you rank those guys they could be uh potentials to be kind of nothing for strum picks uh dave crisco <laughs> <laughs> says, what's up, nerds? It's me, Red Wings legend of 18 games, former second round draft pick and style icon Dave Crisco. I've heard a nasty rumor that some low life cut from a team no one has ever heard of imposter has stolen my good name and changed it slightly into some sort of sick joke. I've also heard this hack has hijacked some hardworking people's talkie show. Now look, I know imitation is a sincere form of flattery, but this is insulting to my fine name and good looks, and is definitely bad for Bitcoin. Furthermore, I've been told by an informant named Terry that this talkie show masquerades as a hockey podcast, but is consistently off-topic, uses too many swears, and. The would-be identity thief has the hashtag bad takes. Please accept this comment as a cease and desist notice to the one named Brad Crisco. Stop hiding behind someone else's moniker and be your own man with your own name. Failure to comply will result in further legal action. I wonder for for new listeners and for listeners maybe who just tune into Overtime for the first time, what they think every time Rowan takes a different persona.
2: So... This comment's gonna sound even dumber. And uh, Ryan, Evan, you guys were at my wedding. You remember my dad's name, don't you?
0: Is his name uh, Dave.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, maybe it's your dad.
1: Evan is by far the best friend we have, right? Like, Way funnier than anyone else. So when someone said, Dave
2: Crisco here, I'm like, are these psychopaths actually going in on my family now? Because some of the shit they've pulled off my social media before I could see it. I want to say
0: no, but I'm not confident.
2: Oh my God. That threw me right off for a few seconds there. So I assume... There was a Dave Crisco who played in the NHL at some point, which is actually kind of neat. And I got to let yeah. my dad know that. Yeah, it's not spelled
1: the same, but it's there. Oh, the spelling's um, different. That's yeah. probably why I've never stumbled across it before. Uh, jersey time. Top three jersey matchups of the play-in series. Stay fresh cheese bags and stay someone else. Brad or whatever your actual name is. Uh, um, Their real jerseys not going to any alternatives they've worn. I think the only answer here is Pittsburgh, Montreal. Yeah, that's um, good. The if you were allowed to take their heritage classic game, then I choose Calgary Winnipeg.
2: Uh Calgary Winnipeg. If you're allowed to use those, that's the right answer. I like Chicago Edmonton. I think that's a strong jersey matchup. Um, I don't know. Like
1: Arizona now has the Kachina, so that they said they're
2: wearing them, right? Yeah, yeah. But Nashville jerseys are very. Meh, meh
1: for me yeah but i i don't take islanders panthers over them i don't know nope, definitely Canucks not while uh connects wild, Canucks wild
2: yeah. is not bad actually that's an underrated jersey series leafs jackets doesn't do it for me i wish i liked the hurricanes jerseys more because at least they going get the rangers right there. in there yeah this isn't this there's like go one yotes.
1: team that ruins every one of them i go yotes just for kachina
2: yeah they're wearing the kachina so that helps and nashville's jerseys aren't bad they're just they're fine they're yeah they're all right
1: james phoenix james welcome says well now as the newly crowned patreon uh patreon member and as one of your first overseas meetup advocates i firstly just want to say thanks for keeping all of us sane during this offseason and with the draft ranking mere uh draft lottery mere days away now the anticipation of possibly being able to select ramuski's finest finally begins to become a reality in homage to uh, Hakan Anderson being a part Brit Swede stroke newly crowned Australian citizen and his continuing ability to be able to pull European shaped diamonds from the rough in later rounds, notably Thomas Holmstrom, arguably one of the most understated and intelligent players to net front given how he played with the Euro Twins, as a 10th round pick in 94 and Zetterberg as a 7th rounder in 99. Following your profile on Daniel uh, Torgerson last episode, who was one of my later Dark Horse dark uh draft dark horses until that cat was truly left out of the bag who are each of your sleeper value picks with the wings potential third and fourth round picks oh. anyways lad keep up the great work and all the best from over the pond okay let me pull up my draft rankings here so basically
2: all i'm going to do is pick guys i currently have ranked in the second round that are pretty much not ranked in the second round anywhere else uh yeah that's first the kind of thing yeah, first one that comes to mind for me, its he's not a European, but Zaid Wisdom and Kingston. It's for a uh, dope name. Actually, yeah, I'm going to stick with Kingston for both of these answers. I'm going to go Zade Wis- Wisdom and Martin Chromiak. I'm going to, I think are, most rankings I see have them mid to late second round. Uh, sorry, Chromiak mid to late second round, Wisdom third or fourth round. I really like both of them. And it's I, I think a big reason why Shane Wright uh, beat Connor McDavid's 15 year old scoring stats in the O is because uh, of wisdom and Chromiak I, I think they were that good that they they propped right up even more than he would have on his own and he's d- disgustingly good so
1: <laughs> that's saying a lot i'm gonna steal a page from brad's book here um brad has advocated for this player for a little while which got me to kind of double back and watch more about him um because i kind of brushed him off as a possible pick because of the position he played but Nico does i mean you're not drafting yaroslav askarov and goaltenders can go early or late there's no real rhyme or reason to when they go besides teams kind of getting weird about it um yeah he's he's touted as one of the best goaltending prospects in this draft outside of askaroff or even including Askarov. like he's not he's not ranked first but he's not ranked too far behind him um but there's a chance he doesn't go until late so if the red wings are able to snag him in the third or fourth goalies are voodoo i would never bet on this but hey maybe doz pans out and there's your goalie of the future and so complete dark horse like absolutely everything would have to go right including even having the opportunity to draft him but i i wouldn't be um that would kind of be my pick if you're gonna put a gun to my head
2: so funny funny thing about nico dawes is i right now am willing to not bet but i, I got a strong feeling that if the red wings don't take him at 32 they won't get him because when you look through a lot of the top ranked goalies for this draft so you go into the second third fourth rounds I think Nico Dawes is the only one over 6'1. And you've and in the NHL now, there are very few goalies under like 6'2, 6'3 who who become truly successful. So if size is an important part of your goalie evaluation, yeah, Dawes might be like your only option past Askarov.
0: For me, it's um the only guy I noticed who is any good on the North Bay Battalion this year um and it is brandon co he's big he plays on literally the worst team in the ohl uh i think he led or was close to leading them in scoring and if he was on any better team he would be way higher on the draft board um so uh, he'll be available in the third round and if you're looking to swing he's big gritty he'll take the puck to the net and he knows how to score so It could be a good value pick.
1: Um, Dead Panda Society says, is it better to to live to eat or eat to live? Also, if you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would you all choose? Hashtag join the lawsuit. Hashtag Brad's name is Dave. Eat to live or live to eat? I love food. I'm going to go live to eat.
2: Yes. Uh, I like food a little too much. I very much have the mindset and try to live by the lifestyle of eat to live, but
1: yeah that doesn't always work out yeah if you're trying to get in the gym and really bulk out and and do it in a way that is going to make you look halfway decent in front of a mirror you kind of have to transition to uh eat to live which just gets depressing after a little while
2: i was i was admittedly doing great on it and then the quarantine just ruined everything
1: also your your second small child
2: you know what it's not even hank that's ruining my eating. It's the older Mika gets, the more I don't know how to phrase this normal she eats. Like she just eats people meals, people food at people times, not like Hank who's on like yeah, you baby mush. So you now fed we her have to buy for 3 years. We <laughs> have to buy Mika like snacks because she's a kid and every kid should have snacks. But then there are snacks in the house. I see them.
1: more snacks. They are now my snacks. I don't buy chips for that reason. Oh. Before, that's over for me.
2: Before kids, that was my entire motto. Like we just, crystal we just kept the crap out of the house because we had zero self control to not eat that stuff. Just don't even put it in the house, and it was, it was great.
1: Mika screwed everything up. Uh, one type of food for the rest of my life. I don't know. That's a tough. Like, I, uh.
0: there's nothing I like so much that I could say yes definitively. This is the food I will eat. Only.
1: Like, I love poutine, but after a week of it, I'd want to die. Like, I love you pizza. Would, probably. You probably. No, know, I probably would. Uh, I'll go pizza, but it's... If I got to be able to change the toppings, and I also got to be able to just throw up relentlessly some days.
0: Something that's super dynamic, like pizza, could
2: work. It could. But, like, I are have- you eating the same... Type of pizza every time, or do you get to like change the toppings at will? Because that's kind of cheating.
1: We're not doing this because I want to go to bed at some point.
2: No, I'm not. I don't even care what toppings you put on it. But if you get to like change the toppings constantly, that's kind of cheating. Still pizza. I'll
1: assume that you can get different toppings on the pizza. He said type of food. I'm not going broad. I'm not saying like Chinese food, and then you you can just live forever off of a normal cuisine. But I'll I'll go down as specific as pizza, but say we can switch the toppings.
2: Oh man, I am. This is tough for me because, like, the healthy side of me wants to pick, like, a a healthy meat that I can like. So, like, steak would be the obvious answer, and you could do that a million ways. Um, But, like, part of me goes, yeah, but Reese peanut butter cups are a thing in the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) That's fair, man. (laughs) Evan Beckner says, hey, guys, did you know since the current draft lottery system was put in place? Oh, my God, really? Since the current lottery system was put in place 12th and 13th pick or uh thir- 12th and 13th place in the draft lottery have won at a higher rate than second and third
2: oh bite me i don't want to know ah. it. <laughs> i don't want it and you know what that is just going to be my argument anytime someone tries to justify this current lottery system
1: at That's least, least we have my, my whole straight. argument to distract you from that slightly depressing news, I sent you pictures of my puppy I just got. His name is Finn. Finn is cute as hell, and he is the newest honorary mascot of the Winged Wheel podcast. podcast. Um, best of luck. He looks like he has a mile of energy a minute. Puppy pictures always encouraged. Yeah. YBK says, howdy, my favorite trio of dingbats. Who knows what the... F- uh- who knows what the fuck about COVID-19 anymore? Streets are burning in the US and best Korea's leader or his sister, depending on which conspiracy theory you believe blew up a diplomatic building. 2020 is really trying to write itself into the history books. Isn't it? I was listening to another pod a few days ago. Um, uh, duh, 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 red draftables on the ringer. Um at Q Evan, no free ads. And there's a little anecdote made up by one of the uh, hosts that was interesting. He asked the GM, what skill do you believe can never, you can never have enough of on a basketball team? And the GM instantly, instantly replied, shooting. Keep in mind, this was in 07, so it was before the dizzying three point revolution that overtook the NBA in the 2010s. In that same vein, if you were to select one skill that a team can never have enough of, what would it be? I'm pretty interested in Ryan's opinion as well as Brad's. If Evan can muster the strength to listen to these damn questions, his input would be appreciated as well. What? All right, Evan, you're going first. What skill would can a single team or can a team not have enough of?
2: And we're talking specific skills, so we can't just sit here and say hockey IQ as a cop-out answer, right? No. Offensive
1: no. instincts. <laughs> um,
0: if it has to be like a more granular level... Um
1: I, guess, I think at the level of, like, shooting, skating. Yeah. Passing. Yeah.
0: Well, you got to be able to shoot, skate, pass to score, right? Well, you don't have to be able to skate. Um, no, I'd say, you know what, the way the NHL is going, you have to have a team full of good skaters. There's very few teams that get away with just parking one player on the left side on the power play and scoring almost
2: 1,000 goals. So I'll say Skating. Do you know what goes faster in a good skater? The puck. Give me a team full of elite passers.
0: Oh, oh wow. So,
2: some f- so you want some filpulas? I, <laughs> you can you can create offense with people who can't shoot very well if they're in the right spot to score all the time. I'll, I'll and, your Quinn teammates, Hughes. and your take And your teammates can get you the puck there.
0: You, know, the you know what Connor McDavid's really good at? Skating. You know what Quinn Hughes is really good at? Skating. Do you know, you
2: what, know what else they're really good at? Passing and crosby i didn't Look, think we'd have three different answers to this I, and passing is the most efficient way to get the puck around the ice and to
1: the areas you want i my my answer was skating and I, just by a hair i'm going to pivot over to scoring like a shooter like if you have if you have a bunch of high end to elite shooters on your team if you have if they're average skaters or you do not get as many like offensive zone starts or entries or offensive zone time. It doesn't matter if you're more efficient with it. If you're going to put that puck in the net more often, what do you need to do to win a hockey game? He needs to have more goals than the other team.
2: Yes, but after uh, uh, the chase, playing against elite goalies, I don't think taking elite shooters just clapping from the half wall and the blue line is going to go in a lot. You got to get. It's a the bit th-
0: of a rock interest. paper scissors thing.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it's if it wasn't shooting, it was going to be skating, and even then, like oh passing was third Jeez. yeah yeah i think so who even asked you you know what i picked up i i thought that was a brad answer i was thought i thought i was stealing your answer nope oh no i'm becoming brad and brad no i can't do this i can't be the only brad Sounds like a nightmare. Uh, they want to say, stay safe, gentlemen, especially you, Brad, not just from COVID, but from the screams of children at night. Seriously, my five-year-old just began screaming at night when he's tired, and it's not a good thing for anybody involved.
2: <laughs> oh, M- Mika had her first, like, true and utter meltdown on Monday night, and that was an experience, um, but it's canceled by the good moments. Uh, Hank said his first word, like, two hours ago, so that was fun. What, i think really? his
0: first word is going to be protein because he is a freaking monster
2: that dude's huge yeah we've been calling him tanky that's been his kind of like nickname from the yes rest what was of his us? first word mum oh, boring that's a harder one too mom yeah mika Dad was mika's first yeah oh, yeah mika
1: get it mika rc tendy says i watched all the episodes of the winged wheel (laughs) they totally copied off you guys that is the uh, red wings um youtube series about uh last season which they just put up i haven't had a chance to watch it yet Either way, I really liked it. They highlighted the growth and maturation of the kids and how they are they are the foundation going forward, and I'm hoping they do more episodes for it and possibly a recap every season. Hopefully, if we keep a positive app uh, attitude about all of this, rad. Good things will come to us in the draft. Even if we don't win the first pick, nothing says in stone that Lafrenia will be the best player three to five years from now. Okay. Hattrick Swayze. Dope name says, Hattrick Swayze here, been listening since November 2019, new Patreon supporter. Hey, Hattrick, thank you so much. And again, great name. I enjoy the content, humor, speculation, and insight and the rare occasion that Evan seems genuinely engaged. Again, Brad, we need to find some kind of way to just shoot that guy up with adrenaline before each podcast because nothing has a better efficiency of making listeners happy than when Evan speaks. <laughs> um, That being said, based on your guys' observations, do you think Dylan Larkin is truly an elite center my non-Red Wings fan Buddy thinks he's overrated. Buddy's team will probably lose Jack Eichel before the end of the summer. So what does he know? Looking to hear your input on where Lark stands against other centermen in the league. And what do you guys expect from him as the years progress? I know his sample size is relatively limited considering this team in recent years.
2: So to me, elite means a guy who's like top 10 to 15 at his position in the entire league. So by my definition, no, Larkin is not elite. Um, I, I Two years ago, if you asked me if Dylan Larkin was even a number one center, I would have said no. Now I will can I will uh, agree that Larkin is a number one center in the NHL and a, a very good one at that. But I wouldn't go so far as to say elite.
1: Yeah, I think that's the right answer there. Like. We were saying like Larkin, you know, objectively on paper, despite being the Red Wings number one center, is probably more of a true, like very good second line center. And and he's shown up in a lot of ways to prove that no, he can be, uh, and often is a viable, good first-line center in this league, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's elite. I think elite is very limited. I think you save elite for, you know, not only like the Connor McDavids, but you're looking at like the the Tavars of the NHL, like the the top end centers who they're they're almost game breaking like they they should be superstars are close and i don't think larkin's there and that's not a knock on him the center is the most important position on the ice outside of when a goalie takes over a game and to be elite at the most Im- important position on the ice it's a very small handful of people uh they go on to say ryan hit me up when you need someone to carry you on nhl 20 clubs i will need carried so thank you and i will take you up on that stay fresh begged cheese much love hattie joseph delia says sup my dudes i have a dumb slash silly question for you guys before you roll your eyes brad it's not the mantha montreal bs buffalo calls you and offers you uh jackie ikes could you get a deal done without offering up larkin i don't want to get my feelings hurt trading him or the top four pick this year probably not right so if buffalo offers jack straight up for the pick what draft position would accept the trade would what draft position would accept the trade thanks guys any
2: Anything? pick but one. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't even think twice on it. No.
1: It, uh, yeah, no. With Byfield, you're hoping Byfield turns into someone with Jack Eichel's impact. With Lafreniere, you have a chance at a guy who could be so special that everyone in the country knows his name.
2: Like, I'm uh, not even going to sit here and say for sure Lafreniere will be better than Eichel. But this is where you got to factor in that. I'm pretty confident that Lafreniere will at least get in Eichel's. Uh, we'll call it stratosphere his range um but lafreniere is six years younger five years younger
0: jack eichel had anyone to play with man he'd be over 100 points every single year the points would come way easier than they are now yeah i maybe uh yeah i would still i'd say number two and down
1: in terms of getting a deal done without this year's pick and Larkin, I think you could easily could. You know, you have Zadina, Cider, Voleno, and then multiple firsts after that to work with. I mean, I said you would be impossible to trade Eric Carlson, and look how that turned out. And then look how that turned out. So, um,
2: I, I don't think it would be like a, a, a ridiculous where you're giving up Zadina, Cider, and multiple firsts, but I think you're probably giving up Zadina and Cider. Or you're giving up Zadina and a uh, first and another good prospect, but it, it it would hurt. Like it would hurt. It's the a players big we would price tag.
1: Darren Helm Stan Club says hey guys new patron had to learn how to use patreon just so I can get on here and support y'all love the content thank you so much Darren Helm Stan Club and you will fit in well here <laughs> a few weeks ago after the end of the season press conference you guys discussed who could get the C next year and you forgot the one and only Darren Helm after a moment of confusion I realized it's been a while since we've seen hockey maybe it's possible we're all going crazy I know it's been discussed at times but looking at the wings older veterans what's the timetable for each of them going forward as a Team is getting younger. Thanks for keeping our minds on potentially brighter days as we navigate this crazy world. Number forty-three forever.
2: Uh, like t- timetable as to how long the Red Wings are just playing the league in general.
1: Uh, I'm assuming that will be synonymous for a lot of them. Uh, uh, Justin Abdulcader, I don't think will survive a full next season. I don't know if, like, unless
2: there's a rash of injuries, I don't know if he plays a game uh, this season. I think Franz Nielsen will get the same treatment in a year or two. I just don't know if the Red Wings can stomach having over $9 million in the AHL. Um, who are the other veterans? I think DeKaiser rides out his full contract.
1: I think Philip was done after his second year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I could see Nemeth getting re-signed. I could see him. Uh, absolutely. Oh, he's 28. Yeah. I could see him sticking around for another four or five uh, years. Uh, I think Helm's gone at the deadline this year, as much as you don't want to hear that, but he will have trade value because he's one of the few veterans on the Red Wings who's not useless, but he does have an expiring contract, Um, so he uh, he might arguably be air quotations the most valuable red wing this year because it's <coughs> probably going to net us the biggest return at the deadline so
1: if darren helm is not moved and he sees the end of his contract i could see him getting brought on league minimum for a year after. i could see him
2: getting not quite the Philpola contract if that makes sense maybe two years but probably closer to one and a half two million a year instead of three but again if you're darren helm do you accept that contract on a rebuilding team i would say no
1: I would say yes if I'm Darren Helm, because I don't know who's paying me more. I would at least try to find out.
0: <laughs> Where's Ken Holland again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Edmonton doesn't have a lot of forward depth. Uh, Jake Nagy says, who in your mind is the most ideal line mate currently on the Wings roster for the following players? Lafreniere. Larkin.
2: Um, Larkin. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that.
1: Byfield. Mantha. I'm just going to Z- pick the best center, or the best winger on the team for all of this.
2: <laughs> Zadina.
1: Um, Stutzla. Zadina. Rossi. Mantha. And Raymond. Larkin. Yes c nod says hey guys what is a hockey prediction that you're most proud was validated mine was talking to some blues fans when they were a dumpster fire and saying as soon as they have any goalie besides Allen between the pipes they will be cup contenders on the opposite side what has one that has blown up in your face for me i was way too much on the tampa hype train but chaos is way more fun than being right great pod guys cheers c nods um one that i was one of my worst was um thinking that de would be a top four defensive in his entire career you know we all know how that's gone um what's one that we got right oh there's a big spider dropping right in front of me don't like that
2: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take this same theme on both these uh there were two red wings prospects that i was banging the drum for feverishly for <laughs> everybody else and uh they were gus nyquist and thomas Yerko so 50 uh, 50 on that one <laughs>
1: <laughs> what hockey prediction did i get right uh i don't feel good about this one i don't feel good about this one at all and i don't think we were necessarily the only ones to do it people who are watching on youtube are just looking at me look straight at the ceiling because i'm not losing sight of the spider um early we talk about early years of this podcast. We had to tone down our talk about like the impending doom of the Red Wings when we started this podcast because they were at the tail end. Like the the first year we started was the last year they made the playoffs. No, we've Um, had,
2: we've covered two playoff
1: series on this podcast. Two playoffs. Yes, two playoffs. And, uh, we said like this is going to go downhill soon and it might be better to rebuild now. Otherwise, this is going to be an ugly, ugly rebuild. And then you saw the abdicator contract and you saw the Dick Kaiser contract. And we took a lot of, like when we were a smaller podcast, like he, we took a lot of crap and we were like worried. We we're like, are people going to stop listening? So we had to tone down the, you know, discussion on <laughs> the impending Red Wings rebuild because all this fan base has known a success. And, uh, yeah, not one that I'm happy that we're right about, but it's on there. Uh, another oh. one I'm going to take small credit for is uh,
2: before his breakout season this year, I was arguing that Mantha might be the best player on the Red Wings. And people said I was a heretic for even implying it might not be Larkin. I think you're being dramatic. Oh, no. You've seen those Twitter conversations. You participated in them, you
1: ale. Yeah. I Brad, I will unilaterally participate in anything that riles you up. You know what's riling me up? I lost the spider.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Uh-oh you're in well, his house now
2: oh uh,
1: no way to see that thing crawling on the wall behind you can you <laughs> and with that we're uh let's let's wrap up this episode uh thank you everyone for listening um thank you for everyone who's been submitting itunes reviews um has not gonna notice you guys that means so much like what a five-star review does for us is uh ugh. I can't even say enough. So thank you so much. Um, Like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors on Patreon, Andrew Bohan, Arjun Shanker, Brad Smith, Brandon M., Brendan Geldoff, Charlie Elkins, Clayton Van Dyken, Dead Panda Society, Hannah Lee, Hassam Al-Kasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Kaylin Wood, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Greech, Scott Martin, Alex Ott, Antonio Gracias, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., John Evans, Josh Rosnowski, K-Waz, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Stan Olson. Thank you all. We love you. And if I survive this spider...